Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with science advisor Matt Moniz and the silent assassin Matt Costa. Ooh, when you play the theme a little bit longer, it gets even cooler. Let's go to the end. I like that. Nice. Nice little drums there. After all that time, like now we realize that there's more to that song than meets the eye. Does it fade down? Let's see if it fades down. Yeah, see, we could. We, why don't we just let it play all the time, like right from all the way through? Because we're always so excited to get started. We are, except for tonight. Yeah, tonight, <laughs> tonight we were a little bit just kidding, just dragging kidding. Just... a bit, which uh, we were we were having some some technical issues on the streaming end, but we've we've made some changes. Slight so changes. yeah, so when changes come about. You know, there's a trial and error period. We're already getting some feedback on the, the new chat function on the Spooky live stream, uh, the Spooky TV stream. Uh, we are getting uh, somebody saying, uh, oh, hey, pseudo name, uh, video crisp audio seems very clean, and it looks great on this computer, I have to say. Uh, the, the video is crystal clear. You see all of us all the time, though, which I don't know if I'm a fan of that, because when am I going to pick my nose if this is the case, you know? Um, yeah. So just keep aware, be aware, if this is the way that we're going to go. And, and, of course, this is Spooky South Coast, where we talk about the paranormal each and every Saturday night. But we also have a live streaming component on SpookySouthCoast.com and at SpookyTV.com. So if you enjoy listening to the show, you can watch the show live on our new YouTube stream. So that's, Matt Costa has set it up now so that we actually stream the video on YouTube live. So if you are watching YouTube at home on your laptop or if you have it on your device, your cell phone, your your tablet, your laptop, whatever, you can actually see the show as it's happening. And, and we've decided to go with this because Matt thought that YouTube would be a better video streaming partner. And, and so far he's right the last couple of weeks. The part that people are the most excited about, though, it's brought back the chat function uh-huh. because – previously we couldn't find a flash chat that would work with the show and and with the station software this works great it's right up there on youtube so you can actually chat during the show right on the youtube channel right i think we brought back the love of uh emojis people love the emojis from the the old chat that we used right and it doesn't have the the uh variety that it used to have. I, I can't remember what the name of the last chat that we used. Zat chat. Zat chat. Yes. Now, but, what um, about recording? Does it record on YouTube or? We're hoping so. Yeah. The the yeah. way that this should go is it should make it a lot easier to, vi- to to have the video archives available because with the previous way we were doing it, we were streaming it through UStream, and that would require us to save the video yeah. and then upload it to YouTube, and it you know became kind of a hassle to do the edits. So we're and, cutting out a middleman and recording direct. And this is you know it's still relatively it's in the infant stages really for YouTube to do this, but so far so good. And uh, and it makes it a lot easier to get everything up there and ready to go. So hopefully this is the future of Spooky TV. And hopefully everybody keeps continuing to tune in live on Saturday nights. Because we don't, we don't want to take away from the fact we want to make the show available for you during the week to listen to on podcast or to watch on YouTube. But really, we, we want you to be here live Saturday nights. Because that's when you can really get interactive with us by calling in at 508-996-0500. Or toll-free at 877-996-1420. And also, during the show, you can text us. If you use 67664, just text 
the number 67664. Start your text with WBSM, and then whatever your message is, we'll be able to get that right in here in the studio. And it, it worked great last week when I was in Salem and I was doing the Saturday morning show. I could read the text from where I was, and uh, and Matt was able to patch all the calls through and everything. So that that worked out great. I want to thank everybody that tuned into that show and listened while we were doing it because you know we weren't sure it was going to work. So the weird thing about hotel Wi-Fi, you're never exactly sure if it's going to be good enough. But it seemed to work out pretty well. Uh, so, I'm, I mean, I'm just digging this crisp, clear picture that we're getting here on Spooky TV. Yeah, that's nice. And Our I, ugly mugs in HD. I've actually full-screened it a little bit, too, and I'm, I'm not sure that that's the best way to go. Well, let me uh, unfull-screen it there. Oh, that's better. Keep us at a distance. But uh, at the very least, we can see if we have boogers in our nose. It still looked great when I full screened it. Like the the quality was good. It's just the people that it was broadcasting. I was like, <laughs> Man, I don't need to see these guys full screen. Uh, but uh, and and we may be joined a little bit later on uh, by Stephanie Burke. She's got some stuff going on uh, that she may join us in a little while uh, if if things work out. So uh, we'll we'll keep the seat open for her, as you can see on the spooky TV cameras. But so last week, everybody got the week off. Because I was at Salem Con, and uh, we broadcast a previously recorded episode from pretty much almost 10 years to the day wow. of the time that we had Peter Robbins on talk about the Bentwaters case. Yep. And one of the things that I was thinking, Matt Moniz, is when we were replaying that, is that you know, it just was coincidental that I picked a show that was almost exactly to the date of 10 years before. I was just looking for something that we hadn't covered in a while, a guess that we hadn't had in a while, something that we could put out there that would be you know, new and different for some of the audience that has recently come on board with the program. And w- what I realized about that case is now it's a decade later yep. s- since we've done that show, and it's a case that people are still fascinated with. And if you want to go all the way back to when it happened, you know, we're looking at, what, 26 years almost, 25 years? Keep going. And so what was it, 19... 1980. All right, so, so that would be, well, it'll be 16 years this December then, right? But, I mean, 26. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm 36. 20, it was, 36. No. I'm terrible at math. <laughs> 1980 to 36. 2010. 36, yes. You're just as bad as I am because you were like, no, no. <laughs> no, 26, no, 36. 36. Yes. All right, so, you know, all these years later, people are still talking about this case. And it just it shows to me, it, it kind of put into perspective of how long we've been doing this now, this show, because, you know, we're talking about at the time we did that show, you know, we talked about the time that had passed between now and then, and now all this more time has passed. So so basically I'm, I'm thinking about it, and it's, it's getting it into my head that, you know, things have changed quite a bit in the paranormal world just in the last 10 years. A lot has, yeah. Right, and, and I was starting to wonder if we're accelerating at a different rate now. You know, between, say, and I'm just using the Bentwaters okay. UFO case as just an example to mark time. But say from 1980 to 2006, you know, you had whatever advances you had and people talking about this and broadcasting about this. But it seems like, for you know, without all the public eye that is on the world of the paranormal now from 2006 to 2016 it's really just kicked up a notch and really accelerated in that time i think you're getting more mainstream coverage and mainstream understanding in 1980 and actually even in 2006 a ufo case was still met with a lot of the so can you believe this some people sorry ufo (laughs) must be little green men from mars you know that was still pretty predominant correct we don't have that anymore 
Well, it's still here and there, but not as prevalent. But yeah. it used to be that the broadcasters that put that out there and put it out there in that fashion were making the people who were making these claims look stupid. Now we've reached the point where the broadcasters who act that way are making themselves look stupid. Because everybody else is taking the subject matter a little bit more seriously, and they're the ones that are still scoffing at it. So when they do it, it's almost like, you're an idiot guy. You know, this is stuff that people are seeing all the time. You're the one making fun of it, whereas back then, it was more they were scoffing at the people who were reporting it, if you follow what I'm saying. No, I, I mean, it, it just seems like we, we, we don't have to take these stories with so much of a grain of salt anymore. And, and we can discuss it more openly. And with less fear of ridicule. Now, that's not to say that, you know, there still isn't some people that raise the stink eye. But, for example, last week when you get hundreds of people together in Salem for a convention talking about the paranormal in a hotel at the same time that they're having a wedding, the wedding people don't think it's weird that there's a bunch of ghost hunters walking around the hotel. You know, they think it's kind of cool. And that's really changed and, and progressed quite a bit as well. So I think, you know, I think that we're slowly making our way. I mean, look at just some of the news stories that were out in the last couple of weeks. And we were discussing them kind of, you know, offhanded while we were getting ready for the show. But over the last week, two weeks, we've had a, a UFO video that's come out. Well, there's been a couple. There was actually, I got a, a message on Facebook last night. There was a UFO spotted in Plymouth last night. Yeah. And so, you know, you're getting, like, more mainstream coverage of these things happening. We've had a Bigfoot video that Lauren Coleman shared. Now, Matt, you saw, you said that you didn't feel that it was very... Um, I don't think it was very convincing, but, I mean, it's still interesting footage anyway. And then you've had, uh, also in this amount of time, the Stanley Hotel ghost photo that has been... And that's been covered by the news... Uh, with a little bit more intensity than I would have expected, and, and with you know, the, I'm looking at the picture and I'm just thinking to myself, it's some sort of reflection of the banister, and you know, it, it's not really a ghost. It's just he happened to zero in on this one thing in this panoramic shot, and so when they're talking about it on the news, I'm thinking to myself, well, this can probably be easily disproven, but that didn't really matter. As I'm seeing it on, you know, the the Houston news where the guy's from, the Denver news, you know, near near Estes Park, all this stuff, as all these different news outlets are covering it, I'm not worried so much about whether or not it's actually a ghost in the photo. I'm looking at the way they're covering the story. Yeah. And they're covering it in, in just in a much different fashion than they did certainly 10 years ago and definitely 20, 30 years ago. So that, to me, I think is progress in terms of, making it not so weird what it is that we do. Now, there's still weird people that do what we do. And that's never going to change. Why are you looking at me? I'm not looking at you specifically. But, it, you know, the, you have to understand, though, that there's always going to be, and, and people in the world of the paranormal have to understand, there's always going to be people that will think that you're strange just for doing what you do. But at least we're more accepting of the people that do it now. That being said, you know, last week at Salem Con, I saw all different walks of life coming together to be part of this. You know, I'm actually investigating with a doctor, and you're a scientist, and there's other people who are involved in this who are scientists, and there's all these different, you know, congregations of, of people here that are coming together 
where this is the overarching reason why, but they're bringing all these different attitudes and approaches. And I kicked off the lecture series on Saturday. They had me speak first. And I was a little concerned about that because when I go to Salem Con, I know that it's a convention that, by the way, a little plug for uh, the Pepsi 1893 Cola line. Pepsi, if you want to sponsor the show, uh, I like it. I like the ginger one. It's okay. It's really gingery. I love the Pepsi one, which is actually very close to the recipe of the original Brad's Cola that predates. I feel I'm, I'm a soda hipster now. I am basically a soda hipster now. But anyway, so if you see me drinking from this gold can, it is not alcohol. It is Pepsi 1893. Yeah, it's fine as long as you don't start wearing the skinny jeans. No, never. Never. Uh, but uh, although I do have the beard <laughs> and flannel shorts. But the, uh, the, the people that came together for this, you know, uh, there, there are always people that are experienced in the paranormal. So I'm trying to find topics that I think will get people to come and listen to me talk. You know, you don't want to just, uh, if they know what they're doing, they're not going to come down and listen to you give a paranormal 101 lecture. You know, if they have experience in the field and the research of the paranormal, you don't want to sit there and talk to them about different theories because they already know this stuff. They lecture on it themselves. So I have to find a hook. Last year, I brought people in. I packed the room for a discussion on maybe ghosts weren't people too. And I looked at some of the alternate theories besides the fact that ghosts are just the souls of the deceased. So this year, I called my lecture, uh, Paranormal Research, Why You're Probably Doing It Wrong. (laughs) And... I got to tell you, I, I went down at 9 o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, about 9.20, I got into the to the library of the Hawthorne Hotel, and the room is full. And everybody's got this look on this face, on their face like, all right, Weisberg, why don't you tell us why we're doing it wrong, Mr. I-Know-Everything? And so basically, I, I laid it all out there of saying, like, it doesn't have to be science, because you're not all scientists. So it doesn't matter if you think you are. You know, my favorite... The thing to ask people is when they talk about doing things scientifically, I say to them, well, explain to me what the scientific method is. <laughs> and they say, well, it's the method of how we do things, you know, scientifically. I'm like, yeah. Bang my head against the wall. First of all, does the scientific method actually apply to, and I'm going to use searching for ghosts when I say the paranormal. I understand the scientific method definitely plays a part in things like UFO research and Bigfoot research because you're looking at tangible physical evidence that you want to analyze in a lot of these cases. Not every time, but there is that aspect of it. Trace cases, which you're referring to, yeah. Okay. Ghosts aren't leaving that much behind. But you can still use scientific method because they supposedly interact with the environment. Any change in the environment is measurable. But you used the key word there, supposedly. Yeah. We have no proof that that's happening. We have, I'll call it, uh, intermittent recordings of things that have happened where there are interactions with the physical environment. There's environmental fluctuations that may or may not be caused by whatever these things are that we're deeming to be Very good. Very good. So when you're saying that you're applying science to this, well, you're not really because you're dealing with something. And, and this, this is this is how I let off the discussion. I said, "How long have we had a basic understanding of physics?" Oh, 
physics goes back to, if you want to go back to Newton or even even before that, um, you you can use, you know, things like Johannes Kepler and some of the other earlier astronomers using, you know, physics of motion bef- before that time that uh, Isaac Newton really nailed it all down. But we're talking at, at least centuries. Oh, or even... But we've, you know, millennia. We, but, yeah, I was going to say, mankind's had a pretty good idea of how the physical world operates, right. even before somebody started putting putting it all down, recording it all, and conducting experiments to prove it. So, as I told the people at the beginning of the lecture, if, in all this time, we've taken what we feel to be a pretty strong definition of physics, I'm not talking about quantum physics, I'm talking about the reality of the physics that we know. And in all the time that we have dedicated to this, and people have spent their lives researching, they're smarter people than you and I, if in all this time we have yet to take the concept of ghosts and fit it into that definition of physics, then doesn't that kind of say that by now it's probably not going to happen? That if we haven't been able to prove that ghosts are a physical thing then we're not going to prove it by now. Nobody's going to go out there and catch the one thing that we've been missing for for decades, you know, 100-plus years of, of ghost research. Nobody is going to suddenly come up with the one missing element, I don't think, of, of what will prove this in the way that we understand physics now. I, I want to say I disagree. There are certain parts of what happens in a haunting and whatever that do comply with physics, you know, with the way ghosts interact, supposedly. Now, I've personally witnessed this and measured this myself. I've seen how that when a spirit, a ghost, or whatever the hell it is, is starting to uh, get ready to do something, things get cold. That's what's known as an endothermic reaction. Same thing happens in chemistry and physics. It draws heat, you know, ambient heat from the environment to create a change. And when it moves something, most other people measure this uh, uh, when an object gets moved, supposedly by a spirit, things get warmed up. Work is done, heat is generated. So it's complying still with physics and the laws of thermal dynamics. When what, it's, what's causing that is still what's up for debate. When it's interacting with us in our physical, physical world, world, yes, it still complies. It complies with our known physics. But yeah. none of those things explain what it what is. it is. Right. Correct. And so, I think that we can probably accept if you are, you know, and, and, and you can't accept it because it's not proven. We're not definitely sure that these things are actually what are manipulating these recordings of things. You know, we we can't say beyond a, a shadow of a doubt that. It's a ghost making the temperature go up or down or, or making the electromagnetic fields. We can't really say definitely about that. But one thing that we can say definitely for sure is that whatever it is that's causing it, we haven't been able to measure. We're only yeah, measuring we, the effects. Correct. Not the cause. Correct. And so I think that we can certainly keep going with that, but if you want to say, okay, let's just take it at face value that these are ghosts that are doing this, then we have, I guess, said that we can prove that ghosts are manipulating the environment. Let's just take that as as fact now, because enough times it's happened that if you're willing to make that exception, you know, make that, ex- accept that in your mind, then 
we've had enough proof of that. Now let's get to the to the what it's it is. It's proof to say that it deserves further study. How do we get to the what though? We, we've got the the we've got the why, I guess you could say, in terms of what it can do. For, uh, not really, because I want to know what the why is of why it exists in the first place. But you know, we have the the after effects. We have the effects. I want to get to the cause. I want to get to the root of why it's happening. And I don't think we're going to be able to do that with physics, or we would have already. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. But if you're to go with the premise that these are, you know, people that have passed on, each person, as you know, is an individual. Why they are doing what they're doing isn't, you know. Us. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get into the why of each individual entity's oh. reason of being, but just the why it's able to happen, I should say. You know, the why they can, well, energy, why it, they can do this. It's a form of energy. Energy can do things in physical and non-physical means. So uh, I guess what you're looking for is, why is it affecting this part but not that part of the physical world? Is that what you're asking? It's not so much why. It's not that. It's not why it only impacts a certain part of the physical world. It's why it can impact the physical world. At all? Right, without actually being part of it. Because I'm not seeing any proof that the ghost that's causing these things is actually part of the physical world, or else I would expect that there's some sort of... Uh, you know, it would have to follow the laws of physics. We would have to be able to... Look at our radio waves that we're broadcasting out now. Is that really physically impacting the physical world that you see? No, it's affecting the electromagnetic spectrum, which is part of our well, physical it is, world. But it is, impl- it is impacting the physical world because it's having a physical resonance in our ears to be able to perceive it. No, that's only because our receivers are transferring it into another form of energy that creates something that vibrates... The air molecules that let our ears hear it. So is that what we need to do then? Do we need to build some sort of receiver uh, that well, will pull? That's why we supposedly have all these ghost boxes and EVPs are recorded and stuff but, like that. But, but that's not what we're measuring it at. That's not how we're researching it. We're researching it as something. Instead, Basically what we're saying is instead of using that as a way to bring the ghost in and, and, and quantify it, we're instead using it as a way to say, here, play with this. So all we're really doing is we're, you know, we're, we're throwing toys in its face and saying, here, you know, manipulate this so we can all like shake our heads and open our mouths and gasp and say, yeah, it's really here. Instead of being like, okay, now can we kind of quantify this and define it? I look at it this way. We're we're the early Marconis of, you know, in ghost hunting. Marconi originally did, you know, the broadcasting, even though he didn't really invent radio. But um, this is what we're doing. We're playing with the channels. We're playing with, you know, broadcast strength. We're playing with, you know, various frequencies. This is new territory because we're just now starting to take what we know and apply it. Yeah. And and now let me ask you this. As a scientist, and, and some people would say that, you know, Moniz is an affront to science. But they would say that because, you know, they're looking at you and saying, well, you know, here's a guy who claims to be a scientist, yet he's going and he's chasing down the paranormal. So some people are of that mindset. You know what I mean? That are uh, Okay, so what? You know, well, I'm just putting a couple of bicycle makers made the first airplane. I'm just throwing that out there as a way to, to lead into the next question. As a scientist, then... 
is it an affront to you and to your education and your experience and all that to see some of these other people who are going out there and claiming to be doing this in the name of science when they themselves might be coming from other walks of lives and, and don't understand the scientific process? Let me answer it this way. Over the years, I've seen a number of people that are not, quote-unquote, trained scientists performing the scientific method extremely well, better than some trained scientists I've seen working day-to-day. And they adhere to the appropriate principles, documentations, and stuff like that, following protocols and stuff like that, stuff like that without any reservation. They just go and do the do it as science. And I've seen other people that are, like I said, scientists that have had the education and just gone in, I'll call it willy-nilly, and, you know, totally abandoned what they've been trained to. I've seen both ends of the spectrum. So is it, it, it like I said, science is a principle. It's not education. It's not, you know, stuff like that. It's how you proceed. That, that's what matters. I'm looking at this as being a very double-edged sword. And I'll explain why. Okay. But I would actually say that more experiences happen, and this is just in my own cursory summation of, of what I've seen and dealt with over the years, but I feel like 10 years in, I can I can speak from, from a yeah. little bit. Yeah, you've got some... A little yeah. bit of knowledge. you got some street cred. I would say that more experiences happen to those who are conducting the investigation from a far less scientific approach. But the double-edged sword part of that is... Can you accept what's happening to them then if they're not doing it from a scientific approach? And is the lack of using the scientific method what makes it seem like more stuff is happening when it probably could be explained away? What I'm basically saying is I think that, in my mind, those who go into this as legend trippers, as people who are just looking to have an experience, I think they're having more things happen to them than the researchers who are going in there and saying, you know, we're going to approach this scientifically and try and prove or disprove this. I think what you're looking at is people going in for the experience are only paying attention to the experience. Somebody going into it in a form of scientific method is paying attention to everything that's going on here and now, and only when something happens is, you know, part of that aha. But somebody going in legend tripping, they're concerned about other things, so when they have their experience, that's what they're expecting. I think one of the biggest obstacles now which you would think is not an obstacle. You think it should just be standing operated procedure. But one of the biggest obstacles that I think a lot of people have is they're going in it with that TAPS mentality of we're here to disprove the haunting. We're here to disprove the claims of the people who have been here before us. We're here to say, you know, it's not that, it's this. We're here to say we can explain this way as this. And I think that that has put in... A, a skepticism that has almost become crippling in some circumstances. It, it borders on cynic cynicism, which is not scientific. I, it's like I almost want to tell everybody who does conduct this scientifically to say, Quote, every once in a while, no, I'm even going to take away the quotation marks. Everybody who goes into it with the most hardcore scientific approach, Dr. Brian Josephson, a Nobel Prize winning physicist who has researched the paranormal, who I'm sure whenever he has 
and not that he goes on paranormal investigations, but if he did, you know, he would be doing things to the letter, uh, following the scientific method as possible, as much as possible. I almost want to say to those people every once in a while, just grab them and shake them and say, you know what, just go on the ghost tour. Okay, just go to the place that's said to be haunted and go hang out and sit in the dark for a Have while. Have an experience and get yeah, back to I the root it. of some of that. I, I did something in the lecture that I thought was was um, was kind of a good illustration of how I feel about it. We were talking about science and scientific research versus legend tripping, and I put up side by side pictures of Harrison Ford dressed as Doctor Henry Jones in the classroom with the glasses and the bow tie. And that was the scientist. And then I had Indiana Jones with the, the fedora and the bullwhip and the leather jacket, and that was the legend tripper. And I said to the room, you know, who would you much rather be? Would you rather be Dr. Henry Jones in the classroom, the scientist, or would you rather be Harrison Ford out there kicking ass and uh, Indiana Jones out there kicking ass and, and beating up Nazis and everything? And that's, I think, what I think a lot of people are looking for. And that's why I think a lot of people who try to say that they are avoiding that need to Go and experience every once in a while. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just that I'm getting a little skeptical of the people who are doing this. Because at some point, you've got to ask yourself, why has somebody been doing this for so long? Look at a guy like John Zaffis or, or Bob Christopher or Dave Julian, these guys I was talking to at SalemCon who have been in this game for a very long time. What keeps makes you keep going out there and doing this you monies you've been in this for about 108 years why do you keep going out and doing it because i'm trying to answer this for myself i have my experiences and i i want to know for myself you know if i'm able to share what i have happened with me with other people and it helps them out fine but the answer i'm looking for is the answer i'm trying to find for myself that's why i'm doing it I just want to uh, apologize. Uh, we're we're ignoring the chat. Oh, uh, we, we don't have our chat room review person here tonight. Uh, normally, Stephanie handles all this stuff, but uh, some uh, on name said, uh, I previously noted that Newton was stuck trying experiments in alchemy because he was missing the principles of electricity and so could not figure out chemical reactions, thus alchemy. You know... He was a big alchemist, yeah. And I think that a lot of that mysticism that is from that older time has been lost. You know, when when everybody got so hung up on empirical data, they took away, they stripped away a lot of the mysticism that surrounds us. I don't think that you can. I don't think you can take that away and and have a total hardcore scientific explanation for what's going on because the mysticism is a part of that. You're starting to see mysticism coming back in... Um Quantum physics and quantum mm-hmm. mechanics. Right, and it should because that quantum mechanics is very much based on the human perception of right. what's going on. Right. And the same thing with the paranormal, the same thing with ghosts. If you take the human perception out of it, then it's not really there. Right. You know, and it's not the whole if a tree falls, anybody there to hear it argument. Mm-hmm. I think that there has to be somebody. The whole Heisenberg? principle thing. And exactly. And if it's a human being that's causing this, or a former human being that's causing this, then it's got to be a human being that perceives it. It just, it, it makes sense that way to me. So this is what we were arguing about and, and what I was discussing uh, last Saturday. So that's what I kind of approach this as. And at the end of the talk, people come up and saying, hey, you definitely raised some good points there. You know, I could tell that a lot of people were still like, I'm still going to go out and conduct my scientific research. 
Let me uh, let me just go upstairs and get my Ouija board, and my K2 meter, and I'll be ready to do science. But um, I, I do think that some people at least were you're, willing. You're to scoffing at that, but it, I'm, I'm in not. science, you really use all the tools available to you to gather data. As silly as it may seem, I I don't I'm not scoffing at it, and and really I know that people are going to say, well, you know, I recently found out that it's the 10th anniversary of Spooky South Coast, so I went back and downloaded a bunch of the old shows. And gee, Tim, I remember you talking about this stuff as if it was gospel back then. And yet I've I've evolved. The more that I've paid attention to this and researched it, I've evolved in my opinions, and we all have the right to do that. But I just I feel like we're taking ourselves out of it too much and if you take yourself out of it too much then it's it's not going to happen for you you know I, I, I tried to explain to people last week that objectivity is good objectivity in a lot of people's minds leads to credibility but subjectivity leads to results i think being able to put yourself in there like i i always say this at legend trips events and in investigations i'll say if you can't Muster up the energy to, to manifest. Use some of mine. <gasps> Did he just say that the, the ghost should use his energy to try to manifest? Oh, doesn't he know, first of all, what's going to happen? He's going to end up getting wiped out and knocked down on the floor. And second of all, that's tainting the investigation. Well, not really. Not if I'm just helping out another human being or a former human being and saying, here, you know, use some of my energy to get through this. The same as I would, like, you know, I would hold your hand if you were scared in an investigation. Same idea. Well, look at it this way. You, you have people in science involving themselves in their observations. Good example, biologists, they'll put up bait stations to draw whatever they're looking into study. That's altering that animal's natural right. conditions mm-hmm. and stuff so you couldn't observe it. No difference. We do the same thing at Legend Trips. We use ghost bait. (laughs) But the point being is, you know, scientists and other people like that will alter, you know, the natural conditions to garner results. Well, we are just about coming up on the end of the first hour, but we'll continue this discussion and a whole lot more coming up in the next hour. And we invite you to join in at 508-996-0500. 877-996-1420. If you want to call in toll-free, you can also text us at 67664. Just make sure you start your text off with the letters WBSM. And, of course, you can join in in the chat room on the YouTube channel at SpookySouthCoast.com. Or, you know, if you use Twitter, you can use the hashtag SpookyLive. That will show up right on Spooky TV. And it's it's a very interactive show. We, we do it that way on purpose because we want you to be part of the discussion. We want you to be part of the debate. And certainly tonight, as we talk about the nature of a lot of this, we definitely want you to be a part of it. And coming up in the next hour, I'll talk a little bit about the investigation that we conducted as part of Salem Con, at least the, the part that I was involved with. And we'll talk about how the ghost arc responded, uh, being put to the test, you know, at least my ghost arc being put to the test in an investigation for the first time. So I'll share with you some of my thoughts and feelings about how the device worked with that. And, uh, and, of course, if anybody out there that's listening was part of the investigations at SalemCon, you want to call in and share, again, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. Those are the phone numbers. Uh, and, again, want to remind everybody to follow us on Twitter, at SpookySC. That's the place to find out cool stuff all week long, and also on our Facebook page as well. Matt Costa does a great job with all of that. We'll be back in just a few with more Spooky Stuff. <laughs>
Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with science advisor Matt Moniz and silent assassin Matt Costa. Stephanie Burke is out of the studio tonight, dealing with some other business. She was at a psychic fair today, so she's probably a little drained, too. So even if she came in, she might not make any sense. She might be worn out and exhausted. But we have, uh, taking her place behind the microphone, the lovely Dave Francis is uh, here. And, uh, and and Dave, you remember how to use a microphone? Do you remember? Does this hold it or do something? No. You, you want to shake it a shake lot it and a lot, tap yeah. on it? <laughs> uh, but uh, he is down. You're down here to do uh, some very important research after the show. Oh, really? Or, or did you do it before the show? Oh, I did it before the show. You're doing the, you yeah, were doing yeah. the, the fish count. Yes, yes. And uh, how many less fish are there now in, in the waters around the south coast now that there, you've been down there? There are zero fish in the waters around the south coast. You caught them all? I, no, I didn't catch them all, unfortunately. Oh, so the count remains the same in the ocean. They're safe. There's yes. zero yeah. in your cooler is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> are you a catch and release guy or do you take them home? Oh, I take them home if they're big enough. Oh, yeah. So uh, what, what's, what's the biggest one that you've caught down this neck of the woods? 34 inches, I think. Someone I got a couple of years ago. So, uh, but, you know, usually when you come down here, you're you're looking for our ghosts. But now you're just coming and taking our fish. Yeah. And, it, you know, I miss that, too. Um, I haven't been doing too much of that lately. I haven't been out since we were out with Mark and everybody last fall. Well, you know, we always welcome you down this way. Anytime you want to come down here, just uh, don't come during Eastern Eastern equine encephalitis. I don't want to yeah. call it. Triple E season. Don't come during that. Zika season. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. You know, that's what, that's where we always end up uh, scheduling the, the Bridgewater Triangle show, too. People are already asking me, when's the Bridgewater Triangle show going to be this year? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm just trying to get through April right now. <laughs> but uh, we will, we will of course, have it coming up. And, and, and the bar has been raised now, Matt Costa, because we had the, the, uh, the Periscope going last year, right? That was what we brought in last year. Uh, for the Bridgewater so, Triangle? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what we did last year. Yeah, no, it was the uh, the Periscope. We're we doing the Periscope. Yeah. Uh, so the bar has been raised. We have to keep making technological advancements. Uh, but speaking of the Bridgewater Triangle, I don't want to uh, give away too much here, but there's a, a very interesting project coming up in the future, uh, the television project that will be done overseas that I think will help spread the word of the Bridger- Bridgewater Triangle internationally. So that's going to be really cool. And also, speaking of television projects, we got this um, interesting update from our friend Amy Bruni. And, of course, you, you all know her from Ghost Hunters, and she was a paranormal researcher for years before she was ever even on that show. Uh, her and Adam Berry have a new show that they're working on, a new TV project that they're putting together. And uh, they will actually be executive producers and stars of this show, but they need some help, especially from people here in New England. They're looking for families in the New England area that feel as though they have been haunted by a family member or a distant relative. So it's not just a matter of, you know, your your house is haunted. They want to know if you feel like your house is being haunted by a relative, whether it's somebody that you knew or somebody that you never met but is still, you know, the person believed to be haunting the property. If it's a relative, uh, distant or recent they want to know you just have to get in touch with them and the, the easiest way to do that is to go to amy bruni's facebook page and you can send her a message there just include your name your location your email your phone number and your story try and be as detailed and as informative as you can be and of course if you 
you know, you need us to kind of be the intermediary, certainly you can email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com with all the same information or hit us up on social media, and we will make sure that Amy and Adam get the information. So, uh, But it's it's really it's a very interesting question to, to put out there and ask, have people been haunted by a family member? Because normally you think of a haunting as being seen. We probably all define it a little bit differently. I would describe a haunting as being sustained paranormal activity with kind of no no real focus I would say you know uh, no real no real trigger it's like not like you know that if you go into a house every time and snap your finger three times something's going to happen I'm saying it's got to be something that is a little bit more profound and it's not something that is that you can say okay I'm going to make it happen now you know it has to be sustained and it has to be uh, prevalent, and it, it can't be something that is kind of, you know, uh, tied into any particular one thing. Dave, how would you describe a haunting? Um, a haunting, I, I, when I grew up, my parents had um, got the land that my grandparents had built their original house on, and they put up a modular home, and they tore the old house down. Um, we had all this weird stuff happen right out of the gate, as soon as the house got built, and my parents never discussed it with us as kids or anything like that. Um, but we noticed things, too, and we were too afraid to tell our parents the stuff that we were noticing. That really kind of, And it was subtle, but it happened, and it wasn't frequent. Like You couldn't pattern it, but right. the same thing would happen over and over. For me, I would be in the bathroom as a kid, and I would see somebody walk by the bathroom window. Same direction every time, and then we were all... We had a close neighborhood, so all the kids would kind of run through each other's yards, and you'd think it was your buddy coming over. And you'd run out, and nobody would be out in the backyard or anything. And for me, that's what it was, and it was the same thing. And then one day, I really got a good look, and I saw white hair, and my grandfather had died when I was four years old, and he had snow-white hair and everything. And twice I saw somebody with snow-white hair, like outside, walking by the windows, and he had had a tool shed where the house was built. And it was basically the same route that he would have walked all the way back to the old house when he was living over there. So, I mean, a haunting, I think, I was watching that movie The Others last night, mm-hmm. and I like that analogy in that, yeah. that yeah. people share you know, space with these entities, uh, right. the people, whether it's the spirits, or, and they didn't even realize they were dead in that movie. And it, you got to wonder if maybe it's just some little click in time or something's not right. So then to be a haunting, you feel like it has to be, um, it almost like it has to be intentionally wanting to haunt you, as opposed to just kind of just coexisting in the same time and space. I don't know if it wants to haunt you so much as you but just it want, have it wants to. But it wants you to know that it's there. It wants, it's consciously aware that it's, that, that it is there and that mm-hmm. it's trying to reach out to you. I don't know. In my case, it didn't. It would just be walking by like a profile, paying no attention to me. See, Moniz, I feel like, you know, and, and we can go into the TAPS uh, categorizations of things, but I don't feel like the residual intelligent thing really makes a, a difference anymore. I think that the residual activity would not be a haunting. Residual activity is just something going on again and again and again. I think that the intelligence has to be there for it to be a haunting. Uh, for it to, to really fit the bill, it has to be something that is... Um, I don't want to say interactive, but it's the very least active. How about we call it active and passive? 
Yeah, I, I actually prefer that better than than uh, intelligent or residual because that, past, past that's images. what I've always referred to it as an active haunting. Active haunting is interacting with you. A passive haunting does the same things over and over again, and whether you're there or not. Well, or, or even subtle cues, yeah, just yeah, real yeah. subtle things can happen. Yeah. Chain, even all the small change in a routine. Maybe this door closes and opens quite frequently, and then you notice this door open and close a couple of times. Well, I think for Amy and Adam's purposes, you know, they're looking for somebody that is having a profound amount of paranormal activity and can pinpoint it back to being a relative. Or maybe, you know, it's the fact that the, the they live in the home that the, the great-great-grandfather built, and they think that he might be there, you know, that type of story might be what they're looking for. Well, you know, I'm sharing a case with them, uh, somebody that we both know, Uncle Roger. Mm-hmm. And... Um, What's interesting about this particular case, I grew up in the neighborhood. Roger grew up, you know, a block and a half away from where I lived. Uh, We went to school together. I knew his father. I knew his mother. I knew his brother. I met his uncle and all that sort of stuff. And I, I definitely know that his father did certain things and Roger is like uh, I'll give you a good example of the things that Roger's sharing with me you know after his father died his father always used to take his keys and put them in a very specific place Roger would put down his keys somewhere in the house and all of a sudden he'd disappear go walking through and lo and behold that's where he'd find his keys where his father would always put his keys so it was like, and this didn't just happen once. This would happen continuously after he just died. So, and this is how Roger put his, like, my dad used to bust my cookies all the time by doing stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and after his mother died, you know, the smell of perfume and various other things. I don't know if you know, knew his brother. His brother no. was, uh, um, Roger had a brother that. Um, had a medical condition that didn't allow him to leave the house, and he was very ill. He, he loved his brother and stuff like that, as anybody would, and he tried to help him out as much as he could. And after his brother's passing, he would hear, you know, uh, the calls from his brother from his brother's room and st- stuff like that. And as far as his uncle, his uncle is a um, famous drummer for a lot of, a lot of the big uh, rock bands back in the 80s. After his uncle died, he inherited all of his uncle's estate, all of his drums and this and that, and he's heard the kits being played. <laughs> you know, and the, so it's like, um, it, that's a perfect and, case and, for them to, you know, yeah, be Especially because he's a no BS kind of guy, too. Yeah. Like when he tells you, know, you know, like when he's telling you that, if he's telling you that, then it's really happening. You know, he's not somebody that's going to make up stories. And he's not somebody who's just looking to get on TV because the guy spends his time around celebrities all the time. Right. Uh, you know, he's he's been a music promoter. He's put on shows. He's been in bands. Uh, you know, he, his best friends are all famous people. You know, so he's not somebody who's looking to to just get on television. If he's sharing the story, it means that something profound happened uh, for him to actually want to reach out and share that. Uh, one, one thing I will say, I never met his dad, but... I know that his dad was a fan of my wrestling column, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Roger still tells me to this day, he's like, you know, I still got the columns taped to the fridge that my dad cut out of the paper and hung up there. So, And speaking of wrestling, uh, next Saturday night prior to Spooky South Coast, I'll be ring announcing for House of Bricks again. Uh, this time it will be at the Moose Lodge in New Bedford. So I think uh, Two Buff and the Buff Dad 
I'm, uh, I'm going to be sharing a few words with you guys <laughs> coming up after what happened. Well, they were already getting into it with me on Facebook and, you know, basically telling me that I'm going to just do what they tell me to do. And, and you know, I'm my own man, man. <laughs> You're not going to tell me what to do. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not especially not afraid of a guy who calls himself too buff that looks like he weighs 85 pounds. So, <laughs> uh, But you can check that out for the Moose Lodge at the Are Moose Lodge next he got Saturday. buffed out? He is, uh, he is so buffed. He is so buffed out that uh, he, he's practically invisible. And uh, we are looking at uh, raising a lot of money. We're trying to raise a lot of money next week for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. It's called Wishamania. So if you can make it out, if you're a spooky South Coast fan, come on out and you know cheer on the wrestlers. They put on a great show, and you will be very well entertained. Uh, tickets are $10, I believe. It's family-friendly for the whole – it's just great entertainment. Uh, so you can check that out uh, next Saturday night, and I'll have more details up on, on my Facebook and on my Twitter, so pay attention to that as well. But we, we've been talking a little bit here about the nature of haunts and uh, about whether or not we thought they could ever be scientifically proven. But one of the devices that's out there now that everybody's talking about, for the right and the wrong reasons, is the ghost arc, because this is supposed to be the new tool that's in every paranormal researcher's toolkit it's supposed to be an all-in-one you know we're going to take the k2 meter and the mel meter and your digital thermometer and your digital recorder and your ghost box we're going to take all that and we're going to put it into one device and so a lot of people are getting them and they're saying that there's issues with them the way they're constructed the way that they're functioning and just the way that the Ghost Art Company has been running the business, a lot of people have a problem with. If they sent you a defective device and then they have to send you a replacement device, they're expecting you to send the defective device back to them at your cost. Apparently that was something that was in the original agreement that you agreed to when you made the purchase. I don't know about all the ins and outs of all that. Um, I know that there's been a lot of people who have been coming to me about some of their business practices. That's not what I signed up for. I signed up to just kind of be a beta tester for the equipment itself. You did get yours, right? I did. Yeah. And, and basically what I was offering was we do these different events. We do these very public paranormal investigations. Send us a ghost arc, and we will be able to show it to people who are out there doing this stuff. And we will be able to put it to the test. And I made no promises of being a spokesman, no promises of supporting it blindly. You know, no financial arrangements were made. I'm not taking any money for this. All I did was I took a device under the auspices that we would utilize it in the field and report on our findings. And I can tell you that I used it for the first time, quote-unquote, in the field. Uh, Last Saturday night at Salem Con, we were investigating the Remember Salem shop, which is... A gift shop that's Harry Potter themed. They have a wand shop next door that they also own. And in the back room, they have built a Harry Potter dining hall type room that they use for birthday parties and stuff. Now, I'm just going to preface this by saying I don't know anything about Harry Potter. So I don't know all the ins and outs and all the names and everything of what it's supposed to be. But it looks like it's like, you know, a place where everybody would meet up at Harry Potter's school. Hogwarts, is that it? Hogwarts? Hogwarts is the school, yeah. So... Uh, we were investigating this back room as part of Salem Con. It was myself and Frank Sinelli, Dr. Spector. He was there. We were, and, and Frank went into this saying, you know, I don't have any real gear with me. I like to just go in and, you know, bring myself into this. And Frank, for those of you who don't know, let me see if I can get his exact title for you. Uh, because he is a doctor, but he has a little bit of a different 
approach to what it is that he does. Uh, he is uh, loading it up here on a doctor, stage. as in MD or PhD. Yes, MD, but it is. Hold on, because I saw it on his uh, description, and I thought that I should remember that to be able to say it. He is a bioenergetic practitioner. So he's a guy, if you've ever gone to any of these paranormal conventions, you've usually seen him with the, the little foot bath thing that he does where people put their feet in the water and soak it and all the toxins that are in your body come out and, you know, the water basically turns, like, disgustingly brown <laughs> with all the, the, the bad stuff that's in you that comes out as part of this. And so, you know, he is uh, very much in that vein on the investigation as well, of tuning into that kind of stuff. So I brought some of my gear like we would use at a Legend Trips event, which, by the way, we still have tickets available for haunting, riding the haunted rails of Edaville happening on May 14th. Uh, the event we were doing, May 14th? May 21st. May 21st. The May 14th event at the Smith-Harris House is sold out. That sold out last weekend, but uh, we do have tickets available for the Edaville event. You can go to legendtrips.com if you want to join us, but... I had a lot of the stuff that we bring with us, the Melmeters, the K2s, uh, the dowsing rods that, that Frank Grace's dad made for us, uh, the, you know, just every little thing that I had in the toolkit I brought because you never know what people are going to want to use. But people wanted to see the ghost arc in action too because these are paranormal investigators who want to know if it's worth spending the money. One thing I will say for it is my device is off. The temperature is off by about 10 degrees from the actual atmospheric temperature. Uh, that will go up slightly if I put the device down with the, the back side facing down because the battery will heat up the device and the airflow doesn't seem to be good enough to get it out there to keep it from creating a little heat pocket. So, But when something else was fluctuating a few degrees, the ghost arc was fluctuating the same amount of degrees. So even though it's off by 10 degrees, it's still measuring in the same intervals. So you just have to kind of take And I'm not sure that it would... So it's a calibration issue. I think so. And I'm, I wouldn't be totally sure that it would always be 10 degrees everywhere you go either. You know, it could be 8 in some places. It could be 6 in some places. So, you know, I'd want to make sure I had something else with me to kind of give it to get the actual baseline from. Well, if you give it to me, I've got... I'll say maybe it's possible to recalibrate the actual yeah. temperature gauge that's in if, it. If anything, I can tell you by using the calibrated meters I use at work how much it's off by. So you can just, you know, put, plug and in a correction be, factor. And if yeah. it would be a consistent amount, yeah. no matter what. Yeah. And then the other um, the other thing that I noticed is that, and this this was a very interesting point that came up, and, and I'll ask you about this, Moniz. Somebody said, because I didn't get a lot of EMF fluctuations from it, even when K2s were going off, and even when melmeters were showing spikes, I didn't get any EMF fluctuation. And that's because somebody pointed out that the sensors on it are actually not measuring the electromagnetic field. They're measuring the electric field. And that the difference being is that with the electric field, you know, you're not, you're, you basically have to hold it up to an electrical device that is not properly shielded to get any kind of response, as opposed to the electromagnetic field actually being environmental. I'd have to see the device. Well, I mean, but, but, sounds like a static meter. Or yeah, that I think he's right. There, you're talking a, a, there are a number of different frequencies that electromagnetism works in. Um, so, are we talking 
a, a true natural field, or are we talking? Yeah, without knowing what they set it up in, I, I can't answer accurately. I would have to see the, the measure well, itself. Is it measuring in milligauss? It remember, is. Okay. It, but that's what it says on the screen. But that doesn't mean that it isn't programmed to display Displays. as milligauss. Yes. It doesn't, okay. the, yeah, what you label it as and what it's actually right. measuring yeah. can be, yeah. So, but anyway, we'll, we'll look into that aspect of it. But anyway, we weren't getting a lot of EMF fluctuations with it, no matter what. Um, but one of the things that I found that it was very, very convenient for was for recording both ghost box sweeps and looking for EVP. The, the thing with the ghost box sweep is, you know, first of all, people, if they don't believe in it, this device isn't going to make them believe in, in a ghost box. But it certainly makes it easier to have a session done when it's being recorded natively from the device. And it eliminates a lot of the other factors that will go on of, you know, you'll, you've probably been around. I know that you're not, you're not a big ghost box guy at all, Dave, but you've been around people that have been using them. Mm-hmm. And you'll hear uh, a recording of somebody saying, you know, using it, and they'll say what it is that they heard. And then you'll go back and you'll listen to it and be like, well, that doesn't sound like what they said. Mm-hmm. And in order for the ghost for the ghost arc to record what you're saying, you have to actually turn the microphone on while it's doing the ghost box sweep. So you would be cutting that out to be doing it. So nobody is like holding that every time, oh it just said you know, it just said Dave. You know, nobody's doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you're gonna get back on the playback of the recording is just the pure ghost box sweep without any kind of Investigator influence, yeah. yeah, trying to to manipulate. So that I think is pretty cool. Um, Does it timestamp so you know? It it will timestamp it based on whatever the time is that you have on the device. Okay. So as long as your as long as your information on the device is accurate, it'll tell you when it was recorded. Okay. Um, so that's one of the things that I liked about the ghost box sweep is you, you eliminate all that. Instead of, you know, the way that we normally would do it on investigations, we run the ghost box, we turn on the, the digital recorder over here so that we're recording it, but we're getting the interference. And there's no atmospheric difference. You know, it's not like it's being played out into the air and then you're recording what's being played out into the air, which so you, can have a manipulation. So you have it as pure, pure form rather than something adulterated from the acoustics of the room. Right. So reverberation doesn't take into it. Which can play. sometimes give you, you know, yeah. false false sounds that might have yeah. been something else happening. And then when it came time for the EVP, what I really liked about it was the ability to record it and then immediately play it back from the same device and to be able to play it in reverse if I wanted to and to be able to slow it down, to be able to rewind it if somebody thought they heard something and to have it save all these files right there for me. So, And I know that you can do that with a digital recorder, too. But it's just easier to do it with this device because it's right there laid out for you, and it's a little bit larger, and it's easier to see in the dark. And also, I found that by doing it this way, it, you know, it made us conduct shorter EVP sessions than I suppose if you had a digital recorder, you would just turn it on and let it run. You know, so this way here, we're looking for a more concentrated time of, of response. And, you know, we caught a few little stray sounds, nothing that was really overt. I haven't gone back and listened to it, but the the quality of it was pretty good. I would have to say for something that is, you know, being questioned about the, the quality of construction, the audio came out sounding really good. And I should have actually uploaded the file so we could have played it, but maybe I'll do that for next week. And also what I liked about it, too, was, you know, you can kind of 
because it's omnidirectional, you can kind of get a proximity in the playback of where people are, as opposed to a lot of times when we use these unidirectional mic. Because digital recorders are not made to record the room. Digital recorders are made, they're very unidirectional microphones. They're made for, you know, recording voice notes or conducting interviews. So you really don't get a lot of placement in the sound. And the only way I can really describe this is, and, and to put it in a way for people to understand that don't know the difference between omnidirectional and unidirectional, if you have a pair of regular headphones and you're listening to music and then you throw on like a pair of Beats or a pair of Bose and you can really kind of spatially almost make out in your mind where every musician would be yeah. in relation to the music that's being created. That's what the difference is in the sound with the with the omnidirectional microphones. You can kind of tell, oh, this person sounds like they're way over there and this person sounds like they're right here. You get a more spatial auditory experience, mm-hmm. which I think is very important in when you're listening for EVPs because if you can kind of place where people are in the room, then... If you hear a sound, you can be like, well, that seems like it's coming from where that person was. Well, as a sound man, I can tell you there's a reason why you use the different mics. You're omnidirectionally generally used for vocals because people are moving around different directions, stuff like that. You use unidirectional to mic up instruments like guitar amps and especially drums because you want to filter out the, uh, the extraneous noise going on outside. So when you have an omnidirectional, it's going to pick up sound coming from every direction. And um, and what I like, because uh, you know, one of the microphones I tell people to use on investigations is the uh, the Yeti from Blue, which is that That's you know that cool that big bullet microphone. Yeah. And what what I like about that is you can change the settings for whatever you want. And I tell people all the time, if you're going to use it on an investigation, throw it in omnidirectional, tie it into your laptop so you're recording on the best sound program that you can afford. And then also when you're inve- conducting the investigation. And, and looking for EVPs, have everybody in the room kind of stay where they are and have them identify who they are when you start the recording. And then you kind of get that spatial image of it. it excuse me. I think as, as our, you know, as our techniques kind of progress with this, we'll find again and again that we're able to throw out a lot of things that we're like, oh, well, that's somebody shifting over here. It just puts you in the room more. Then Now, will it ever work if you're playing it for somebody who wasn't there? Probably not. You know, because to them, it's, it's, they're not going to be able to visualize where everybody was. But for you on the playback and the research uh, and the, uh, the review of it, you'll be able to kind of analyze better, you know, where people were in the room. It may help augment a, uh, a video that may be running in the room, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's the, other, the only thing I would say that's missing from this and something that I would want to see run with it simultaneously is video. Like, I think that you would want to definitely have a video component to what it is that you're gathering in that. Because even if you just, even if you have this data that you're going to upload and that you're going to put on this eventual database that you're going to build, it would be good to have the video to kind of include with that. Because maybe just, they can create a, here's the, here's the other million dollar idea make a video version of the Ghost Ark. Well, with all the video see calls. if they can get it right, the one that they have. Well, right. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying. Right. A, a video suite type of thing. The the biggest thing that I, I want to see them do is to build that database, and I want to see them you know, make it so that they have regular firmware updates to fix certain things. Now, the calibration of the you know the, uh, the, the temperature, that's probably something that's got to be done physically. Yeah. 
But maybe it is just a matter of, you know, the display, whatever it's displaying is, is just 10 degrees off. You know, maybe they just need there to. There may be a setting where you can change that. Right. Yes. Uh, but no, well, not that I found. Believe me, I've looked. But, you know, for them, for the firmware end of it, they probably could. So I do see a lot of potential in it. I am a little bit worried about whether. I think the idea is right. I think that they're not built to deal with a lot of the problems that have come up about it. Maybe that's because they didn't expect there to be so many problems, or maybe it's because it's their first real venture. I don't know. But I just feel like, you know, if somebody came along and kind of bought this out from under them and was able to actually effectively mass produce it, because these all have to be built by hand, it could really be revolutionary. But I think right now, you know, it's just in the stages of they're trying to do a lot more than they're... I think, I really think the demand probably outweighed what they expected, too. You know, I think that's part of the biggest problem is I think they thought they would put some of these devices out there and it would give people a chance to utilize them and see if they wanted them. Mm-hmm. But instead, people would jump all over it because, in theory, it should be a huge help for what it is that we do. But getting back to the discussion that we had earlier, Moniz, all we're really measuring is these changes in the environment. It doesn't tell us what it is that's causing it and why. You know, and that's that, I think, is the, more the metaphysical than the physical. Well, as long as you're making the attempt to document something, uh, I, I mean, if you're there just for the experience, how does that make it any less valuable to the to that person having the experience? You're adding the quote unquote science to it too of recording it. That's all all well and good, but it's really important to the person having the experience. And sometimes I think that maybe. You know, maybe if we try to sanitize these things too much, we're taking away the impact of, of what they are. I mean, really, if it's, even if it is a dead person coming back and reaching out to you, you know, that's a pretty profound thing to have happen. And you don't want to have to kind of uh, belittle that a little, belittle that by saying, well, you know, it doesn't fit into this criteria, so it must not really be happening. Like, I, if I was reaching out from, from the great beyond and you were like well yeah i kind of hear what you're saying but nothing's lighting up on my device so i don't think this is really happening i'd I'd be pretty pissed off how long has contact with spirits been happening long before you know we had devices yeah you you know what i'm talking about that the stories of ghosts are some of our earliest stories Period. No if, no and, no but. You know, sitting around the the, the the fire and you know in the cave talking about you know the weird, crazy things that happen. I mean, the first recorded ghost story, uh, at least as far as I know, goes all the way back to ancient Greece, right? To Pliny the Younger. So that I mean, that was somebody who was actually you know trying to figure out what these things were and why they were. Oh my God, how did you remember that? I talk about it in my lectures. Uh, I mean, you, you can even go back even further than that if you look in Egyptians' Book of the well, Dead. Well, I'm talking it, investigation of, oh, of okay. ghosts. You know, the, the actual stories, as you said, go yeah, back to the yeah. caves. You know, because it, it's, I think ghost stories started the first time somebody realized that, uh, you know, uh, Ugg over there wasn't moving anymore. You know, and once they figured out what that meant, well, that's when the first ghost story probably came about. And, uh, and I think Stephanie's here. Somebody wants to let her in. I thought I saw her pulling. Yep, she's there. But, you know, she's she's sitting in the car. I think she was waiting for me to say that on the air. Do you think she's listening on the radio? Why? Maybe. Perhaps. Uh, but, uh, you know, if, if somebody wants to let her in, she's uh, 
she's she's messaging me. But uh, if somebody just wants to open the door and allow her to come in. Uh, but uh, so I really think that um, going back to the idea of having to have people as part of the experience is a big thing. I know that Dave, you've invested investigated cases, a lot of cases over the years, uh, where it has been personal for people. And it, it seems like the personal ones seem to be the stronger ones a lot of the times because maybe these historic places that are haunted are just, as we were saying before, passive, as, as the term Moniz used. Uh, whereas, you know, these other ones that have a personal connection to people seem more active. Has is, is that kind of been the experience for you? Yeah. And when you go in, too, just to mirror what you were saying, you don't want to flatten that. And it's, it's tough to and. You, for me, it's kind of great that I've gotten away from it a little bit because I was that, like you were saying earlier, that cynical, getting kind of jaded on some of the stuff I was seeing. And um, it wasn't enjoyable anymore, you know. And it was hard to go into a place and someone's showing you a picture. Look at this picture we took. This is amazing, isn't it? And for the hundredth time, I've seen dust particles before. And, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that's great. That's awesome. And so, it, But it, you, you have to have that human side of it. And... I always like to have people that were with me that were kind of off on that other side of the fence a little bit. You know, they didn't understand the technology we were using, and that was great because it seemed that their senses were a heck of a lot more open to all the little knocks and the things that were going on where I would be brushing stuff off and trying to monitor this and look at this and make sure this one was running and that light was on. Well, I I mean... You lost the focus. of You were focused on the equipment, not what it was there for. Exactly. Yeah. I've always tried to be somebody that never kind of sanitizes everything that's happening either. Like as much as you want to have it be as pure as possible, what difference does it make? What are you going to present to somebody that's going to convince them one way or the other? You're not going to convince everybody, though. Right. Stephanie, would you like to come in and share a microphone? Uh, You just just let us know. Yeah, we'll see. we got plenty around. So, uh... What, ghosts? Ghosts? Yeah. It's weird. I would have never guessed that. i got to figure out which microphone's on. Try that. Try talking now. Hi. Yep, that's you. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we've been we've been just kind of going back and forth. And, uh, you know, we should we should say so that nobody thinks that you're just kind of zooming in. You had a family emergency. Yes, so. I did. So uh, it's, not like, it's not like you weren't listening to the show because you didn't care. Right, no. I, I definitely care, but um, I was trying to prevent some ghosts from happening. Yeah, so it was a pretty, pretty serious family thing. So right. we can we can leave it at that. But uh, you are not shirking your duties, right? Uh, because people in the people in the chat, YouTube, are like they're they're missing the chat. I'm like our chat person isn't here. Oh, I'm sorry. Glad the family members are well. Yes, yes. That's the important part. That's all that matters. Right. That and the fact that Dave didn't catch any fish. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. So, you know, if you it's can. It's cold uh, out there. I'm not as good looking as you. I mean, I just <laughs> saw me. So he, they, they must have been busting. Wow. Like 30 <laughs> seconds, he's already dishing out the compliments. That's right. Huh? You know what? I'll it, take it. It was like four years before he said anything nice about the rest of us. Sorry. So uh, He said something I'm nice about us? I'm just kidding. Dave's, Dave's been a, a, a big supporter of the show since the very I'm beginning. i the chat's back. I am, that's awesome. Me too. Did, yeah. Everybody says that. 
I used well, to have fun what? with Matt. I oh, yeah. <laughs> Look, like, back, like, ten years ago when I was just a fan of the show, I loved having that chat room. We just had a complete community. I'm sure Dave, you'll agree. Oh, yeah. And We'd, the people I know. Most of the friends. conversations had nothing to do with what the show was you about. You know, that, though, it was awesome. It really yeah. was. We I would have never the met time. the pirate. At the, right. You know, yeah, Mark, Mark yeah. I would have never met him. He's a good guy. He's yeah. awesome. You know, and, and and I don't want to give away all the secrets, Matt Koss. I don't want to give away any secret codes or anything. But the message board is still around. Remember the old spooky message board? <laughs> it's still around. You can still access it. You just have to know how to access it. And uh, and and I, how blow the dust off it? <laughs> no, no, it's it's there. It's on the website, but it's not anywhere you can find it. You're not going to click on it. Let's put it that way. Okay. okay. Let's say that fans of '80s video games will be able to figure <laughs> oh it out, God. especially those who played some of the Konami games in the '80s. And uh, should should we just should we should we tell people what the code is, Matt? Uh, let me see if I get it right. Uh, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, start? Yeah. Yep. B, A, start? Okay. So up, up. You don't have to hit the start. Okay. Well, <laughs> no, do, you, do you not have to hit enter? No, I'll just do it. Okay. So <laughs> up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A. A, B. Wasn't it? No, didn't no, you B, say? A. B, A? Is it B, A? I don't know. I have to picture. So long since no, I, yeah. I have to picture in my head the, <laughs> the, the actual Nintendo controller because, as as we said, Mac Hoss, you know, talking about my password for the computer, muscle memory. You know, that's what it was with that code. You you didn't really think about it. You just did it. Yep. You know, and then and then you got the Game Shark, and you didn't have to worry about doing it anymore because Game Shark took care of it for you. But if you do go to SpookySouthCoast.com and and put that in. Now my uh, broadband won't like take the crash the server or anything, right? And, no, no, it should, should. Let me see here. Let's. We're, we're going to try it right here. What like, we're doing? I can go dial up. So we're going to go <laughs> up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A. Nope. Oh, there it goes. Just this computer is a little bit slower, and and here it is in all of its. Oh two, my! Two thousand and six glory, and uh, let me see. If I can throw this camera, I know that we've silly putted <laughs> it down. It. Yep. But I'll see if I can bring that shot up and. You can see it. I just don't on. know if I have to change it. Now I'm going to put it up on YouTube. No, oh, you don't have to change anything. We got every camera angle up there at once. <gasps> no way. So you guys can. I just lost that. You've been able to see did my I just nose cut this whole it? Did time. Did I cut? I cut the camera. No. No. You you cut what you had on the screen. I know. Yeah. I'm trying to line it up. Oh. You're was... good. All right. So if I go I like know. that, you can see it. Yeah, not that well, but. All right, you adjust it there, however you... So there it is. There's the original Spooky South Coast message board. This was the lifeblood of the show for the first couple years. And and just looking back, I mean, we have posts going all the way back to 2011 here. You can't see it that well, but you can see that it's a message board. So 2011, we have... Oh, somebody posted in 2016? April 14th? What? Yes- Two days Yesterday? Ago. Two days ago? Two days ago. Yeah. All right, we got to click on this and see what happened. I didn't know people were actually accessing. I had no idea. Actually. I didn't know anybody figured it out. <laughs> it's probably just like spam. Yeah, it's like some weird spammy thing. If this gets really weird, I should probably drop my hand real quick. <laughs> I don't think anything would get that bad, but you never know. This was the lifeblood of the show back in the. I don't even know if I'd still remember how to log into this. <laughs> but let me just give you. Oh my! When did? 
My arm might fall off. When did we have Dave Giuliano doing equipment review on SpookySouthCoast.com? Wow. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know either. I, I could have talked to him about that last weekend at SalemCon, but just looking, we have... You know, watching the skies. It was the UFO thread. We have what beasts talking about cryptids. We have in the field, tripping on legends, weird history, hunting the haunted, which uh, I think actually uh, New Hampshire Paranormal Project might might sue us. <laughs> actually, we had it first. I'm looking. Posts have been made. Uh, evidence of the odd. Uh, you know, talking about ghost spirits. The big uh, the Bridgewater Triangle. And then one of my favorite parts about this, and I don't see it on here. I wonder if we've kind of changed it a little bit if somebody had uh, made a decision. But we used to have you know, Costa's Crypt and the Professor's Pit. We had like our own little areas there, which was always kind of cool. Let me let me just go see if we go to... Um, go back to the general part of it, and you might be able to... Oh, these are just, oh, here it is. Tim's Tomb. Yep, all the way up here up the top. Tell us your story of the week and weird. Show suggestions. Uh, so let's let's just see. Let's Let's... Go to uh, some some show just show suggestions. We might be able to find some good ones. Go. Let's go. To, let's go to. Let's go to an old one here. Um, hmm. I'll never forget the the uh, Commander Sonny Cito thread oh. that happened on the message board. This this is by the way is a great great uh, discussion on the on the radio talking about what's on the message board. But yeah, yeah. This is, since you can't see it now. This is like going back. Uh, Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's hit the Wayback Machine. Well, let's just read things on the air and then not... Uh... Here's one called, Are You Kidding Me, Tim? Let's see where this was going. Spooky South Coast is my favorite podcast. I like to keep it that way. Please, please, please stop having psychics and numerologists as guests. Ugh, boring. I tune it out and never finish the podcast. Seems like lately that's the only guest you have. Your last guest, Dr. Rito, painful. Again, I didn't get through it as it was always deleted the podcast. Jeez. Sorry for the rant. Just going to keep it real with you guys. Oh, by the way, this is the only reason why I registered to tell you what I think most of us listeners don't want to hear. Thanks. That was not me. I can tell you. That was not me. <laughs> and now it's the Stephanie Burke show. <laughs> oh, just sassy back then. There's a lot of sass going around. Yeah. Uh, on the message board? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, things. Things were kind of bad. It got heated a few times. I, I remember. It but, was fun though. But that's what we liked about it. We liked the, the back and forth of it. And so now I'm hoping that people actually jump onto this and and actually start utilizing it again because then we can go back. Although now, how would I even know if we have a new post up there? You have to hit up, up, down, down, side, side. Didn't we like? Start. Didn't we like used to get like notifications if somebody posted though? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. I can't remember how those things work. I mean, it's been I know. So long. Well, I think I think better things came along like Facebook and Reddit. Twitter and right. right, and that's that's what we said. I think you know, like, that actually precedes MySpace, mm, yes. if I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> maybe the popularity of MySpace. No, I think actually it was set up before MySpace was. Yeah, I don't public. know. I think we started in MySpace pretty early on in the show, but I don't remember. Uh, exactly when. But, oh, man, just some of the memories that are coming back. Just taking a look at this. Investigating the Titanic, Dr. Turry. <laughs> Dr. Lewis Turry. Remember that show, Matt? That was, that was great. That was one of my all-time favorite shows, because, and not because of what we talked about on the show, but because Dr. Turry insisted on doing the show via Skype. Okay. Yeah. And he insisted on having a webcam pointed at him during the show so that we could see him at all times, and he proceeded to do the entire show shirtless. 
which kind of made us a little bit uncomfortable. But, you know, he's a great guest, and he's a, a fantastic person. So uh, uh, let's see. Oh, the Lindsay Malone Show. This was one of our first ever controversial episodes. Uh, go back and look, Spooky South Coast, Lindsay Malone. Uh, because she was somebody who had a problem with all these paranormal <laughs> television shows that were out, and she went on the attack. Uh, so here, uh, the Bog Man wrote, "Wow, the Bog Man! I remember wow. him." Wow, are you sure you poor fellows didn't call up Ann Coulter by mistake? Guys, I have to say I have an immense amount of respect for anyone who maintained polite discourse with a guest that nasty. Sad part is I actually dislike reality TV almost as much as she does, but such petulance does not make a convincing argument. And then somebody else wrote, yeah, you guys did great. You got some really good jabs in, too. She's just, you know, she's just pissed because she couldn't adapt to the changes in the television industry. The studio style of television production is a thing of the past. Get used to it, lady. Edit. Wow, I just found this quote on her MySpace page. <laughs> Making a fool of yourself on television for 15 minutes of fame is insane. Also, think of all the jobs that are being lost due to this awful programming. I had to leave the industry because I could not make the living I was accustomed to. They are sending the decent work out of the country and producing reality TV here, which has no place for me or many of my other friends in the business. So that was 10 years ago somebody felt that way? Or 2009? Seven years ago somebody felt that way about reality TV? Things haven't really changed all that much. This person wrote, I really wish I saw last night's show. I could almost see Tim's arms flailing. That was an intense show. Well, see, now, ten years later, you can see the show yeah. by watching us on YouTube live as it happens. So, uh, yeah, I remember that show because it was, um, I think, it was, if I remember right, it was so bad that Jeff Belanger actually called in. Yeah. And he never, like, calls in to yeah. defend anything. <laughs> but uh, I think he had to that night because of uh, of how ridiculous that Lindsay Malone was. So I think, I think I'm going to download that show on my phone and listen to that on the way home. <laughs> because just some of these shows that you think about, you know, you forget about them. We've done, what, over 400 at this point. Probably over 500. Plus, yeah. Or close to 500. So, you know, that's that's a lot. And, and I, out of that 500, I think only like 390 of them we had Chris Balzano as a guest for. So. <laughs> but so all this is up there for you again. Just put in the code when you go to SpookySouthCoast.com. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A. So if you type all that in on your keyboard, does it work on phones, Matt? Uh, it does. It's uh, Instead of B-A, it's, uh, you just have it. Just tap the, the screen yep. twice? Yep. Or just once? Twice. Twice. Okay, so up, up, down, down, tap, tap on a phone. And you'll be able to... Should, should up, we, up, down, down, left, left right. right. Left, this right. This thing's active. Right. This isn't like a Wayback Machine thing where it's going to... I don't really... Uh, yeah, you can actually think you should use it, but... You shouldn't you sign should, up and, eh, I don't know. and interact? You, you'll probably get a lot of spam. <laughs> yeah. well, just just a couple minutes looking on here, there's, there's some uh, questionable links and things that have been recently posted so see yeah but if you want to walk through uh spooky south coast history yes it really it's is. only uh, a few swipes and a couple clicks away there you go it's all up there for just you. remember to wipe your feet after you've entered right put down a newspaper <laughs> sit down for a while uh i'm just thinking back to some of the like the very 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 early days of the show and uh this is like, like for example we were putting up about classic spooky South Coast, Paulino and Reverend Gail Hicks. That was the second episode of the show. And this was posted, like, in 2007. So if that was classic that back then, it's, like, vintage now. <laughs> that's, that's, look at, oh, wow, Melba was posting on here back then. Oh, Leister. Oh, man, some of these names that we haven't heard from from long. You, uh, you can listen to some old shows. 
peruse around the pro boards and drink uh, one of your vintage uh, Pepsi's. <laughs> My 1893 yep. Pepsi. So there you go. All old that's, school today. That's the way to do it. All right, well, that about does it for this week's show. We are just about out of time, but uh, certainly go on the message boards, have some fun, check it out. See how it was way back in the day, back when our only listeners were, were Dave Francis and Luann and, and Ashley from Texas. Remember her? Like, whatever happened to Ashley from Texas? If you're still listening, email us or something. We haven't heard from you in forever. Last we heard, she had some really bad stuff going on in her house that she thought might have been a demon, and then we never heard from her again. So, good follow-up on that, guys. Great to go. <laughs> So that does it for this week's show. Again, uh, if you want to reach out to us during the week, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at SpookySC. Also on Instagram at Spooky underscore South Coast. We've made a concerted effort to start putting some stuff up on there, so we welcome you to follow us there, and uh, we will try and post some of the fun for you there as well throughout the course of the week. And uh, also follow us on Facebook. Just find the Spooky South Coast page on Facebook, where Matt always puts up all kinds of great stuff for you to check out during the week as well. But we will be back next Saturday night when we'll talk about the paranormal again. So for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, for Dave, for Chris, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooktacular.